Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday. This is Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with the Rundown with Rob and Rich. Um, and I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we do this every other Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, just kind of a humorous view of uh, what's going on in the industry and uh, you know, and, and Rob trying to make me look bad with the business attire. I got the Patagonia hoodie on and he ran back and put a suit coat on. So, but uh, you were on a business trip. So that's, you know, it, you just, just kept just the suit. Off the plane. There you go. Just off the plane. All right. And, you know, I was going to start by asking you if uh, you had anything fun planned this weekend, but how can I not start? What is that? Like a sperm sculpture you got in the background uh, there? Oh boy. We're going down that path pretty early in the show. Um, you drink very large bottles of wine. Is exactly. That- exactly. This, uh, <laughs> magnums, uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, <clears throat> this, um, is actually kind of a, kind of a junkyard piece of art, uh, in Santa Fe, a, uh, a while back walking by a gallery and the, the gallery or whoever owned it, had a big pile of these things in next to the gallery. And we said, what are those? And the owner said, well, those are actually, uh, they were used by the cavalry. These are, they were actually upside down back in the 1880s, 1870s, 1880s. And when they were out on the plains and they needed to form a corral they would literally screw these into the ground. Like I say, these are upside down, screw them into the ground and uh, uh, thread the rope through those little openings there and form a corral uh, for their horses. And so this particular gallery somehow had bought, you know, a thousand of them or something. And so this artist wasn't very expensive either, I'll tell you but he makes these like statues out of the, these are, these are rusted, you know, 1880s metal. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. I was trying to figure out a tie in to mortgage banking and residential lending, but um, uh, you know, maybe the old 1003 will become works of work of art at some point, but uh, anyway, that's what these are. Well, there's already three or four, like, screw that sculpture jokes in the uh, chat. So no doubt. Uh, no, doubt. no tie to the mortgage industry, but you've got like, you know, exquisite uh, sculptures in the background and the sport coat. I've got the Patrick from SpongeBob drawing and uh, the Patagonia hoodie. So, uh, you know, it. Uh, but um, moving to the actual mortgage industry and outside of uh, screw jokes, um, or if you want to make more screw jokes, as always, uh, anybody's participation, welcome, encouraged uh, in the chat, the Q&A, we're happy to incorporate it into the program. And this is the rundown with Robin Rich. Um, l- let's start with the wholesale wars. So, uh, I mean, this rivalry between Rocket and United Wholesale, I mean, this is kind of getting out of hand. I mean, d- delayed, you know, of course, you know, United Wholesale with the bend the knee or you can't do business with us uh, addendum. And then Rocket comes out yesterday and sponsors the Michigan State basketball team, which Matt Ishbia played for. And now they are 
MSU basketball brought to you by Rocket Mortgage, which you know has to just drive him crazy. Well, I don't think he would ever admit it. <laughs> it is truly a, uh, you know, there, there's some saying about when the, when the gods fight, the, the people suffer or something like that. Uh, and, you know, light, lightning bolts and thunder, in, in, you know, thousands of years ago were thought to be, you know, the gods fighting with one another. And the uh, the people on Earth would suffer through the lightning and, and fires and so forth. So, the it is it is an interesting uh, it is very interesting what's going on. I've heard just a wide range of of comments and uh, you know wide range of emails. The uh, yeah, and the latest round is with, with regard to this uh, sponsoring of, of teams, but. What is going on for people on the phone or people on the call on this call is suddenly a, a an, yet another uh, example of the, the broker channel, the wholesale channel, you know, raising eyebrows. And, and uh, we certainly don't want to go back to uh, what was that movie? The, the Big Short. Is that the movie with the with the brokers down in Florida or something and doing stated, stated, stated or whatever? those guys were doing on the, in the movie. Uh, we don't want to go back to those days. Uh, I think that uh, brokers, you know, I'll, I'll say this till my dying day, but there's a lot of very smart brokers out there or originators who become brokers and that's the channel they choose and they continue to help their clients and their smart, savvy, entrepreneurial business people. But when you have public squabbles like this, and it's not even, you know, it's escalated past the squabble phase. You know, when you have publicly saying either do business with me or else, uh, and I'm sure Matt is backed up by a team of attorneys, more attorneys than I have at my disposal. So I'm sure it's legal. But the question is, does it make business sense? And obviously, it's hard to argue with Matt's business sense, just uh, just like it's hard to argue with Dan Gilbert's or, or Steve Jacobson's or Anthony Shea or Stan Middleman, you know, all these guys, Kevin Parr, these top wholesalers are smart guys and gals. And this really kind of casts a, a little bit of a shadow on things. So you have that going on in the upper echelons. And right now you have a, uh, you know, full scale price war. I know that when Matt came out with that announcement, they improved their prices dramatically now, granted, we went through 2020 uh, with some very nice margins and very nice volumes, and everybody see, has seen that. And uh, we could be looking back at 2020 saying that was the best time to be in residential lending in the history of, of the world. Um, I could easily see that happening. Those margins were thought to eventually deteriorate as volumes slowed a little bit as we all knew they would. And as rates crept higher, as we all knew they would, and so companies will start eating into their margins in order to keep the keep the wheels greased, as it were. But the what is going on now in the wholesale channel is is price competition, and so you have uh, you know the, the freedoms and the uh, loan depots and the and the plazas and the Sierra Pacifics and, and the Orions kind of dragged into this price war just to maintain market share in the face of United Wholesale and Rocket uh, fighting it out and cutting their margins. So um, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily a good thing, Matt. I, I've heard 
I've heard brokers uh, on both sides saying, you know, we're, we're a United wholesale shop and, and I'm glad, I'm you know, really glad Matt did this and, and he's, he's looking out for the broker. And I've had people who aren't fans of United wholesale write to me and say, this is, this is like third ground playground or third grade playground tactics and what is Matt thinking and so forth. So, you know, brokers are, are on both sides of the, uh, both sides of the fence. Uh, they will continue to, to be on both sides of the fence and, and that's what makes America great, I guess. But uh, it is interesting. It gives us something to talk about. Right. But I'm not sure of the long range benefit uh, of it. I'm sure Matt thinks there's long range benefits. So good for him, but you know, we'll see where it shakes up. Rich, what are you hearing with, uh, with the, the mortgage collaborative clients? What are they saying about it? Yeah. I mean, we don't have any broker members, um, but you know, just, talking to the member base this week and, um, you know, just keeping my ear to the ground. I, you know, I think you're right. Like from the broker world, I think it's split. Um, and, you know, HBO is clearly not a dumb guy. Um, I, I do think this is a not smart tactical move. Um, you know, and I think part of it is like he, UWM's early success and, you know, them making a name for themselves largely was due to him kind of picking these public fights with Rocket. I think helped put them on the map a little bit. I think that strategy was smart, um, you know, in the earlier years. And then, you know, you kind of fast forward to today. I mean, Rocket really wasn't even in the wholesale business until like three, four years ago, they started to get in it. I almost feel like he's goaded them into it. <laughs> like sometimes, you know, uh, careful what you wish for. Um, you know, I think what I hear from mortgage bankers is just what you kind of alluded to is their concern that, um, you know, uh, the broad brush, um, our industry is a very noble one in 07, 08. Uh, I think we still suffer from, you know, people's perception of the mortgage industry. Um, and it's made, it's come a long way. You know, you, you just, you bring up I remember being, you know, whatever parties with people that aren't in the industry in 2010, 11, and saying I was in mortgage banking and feeling bad about saying that. I don't feel that way anymore. But this is what people hear. This is what makes the headlines, stuff like this. And I, I feel like, you know, this public squabbling, especially because the hallmark of the broker channel is better price, you know, a, a vast amount of lenders that you can choose from and it'll ultimately always deliver the best price to the borrower. So for the number one market share wholesale lender to come out and say, you can't use the number two and somebody that could be emerging in that space, it's petty. It it, it kind of defies the, the general message of the broker community in general. So yeah, we had uh, the, the broker channel, Mortgage brokers have, have been on a roller coaster. Uh, and then we had the whole Anthony Casa video series of, you know, just more squabbling and talking about uh, Aaron's wife, uh, you know, in a very public way that was, that was uh, shameful, frankly, um, which raised a lot of eyebrows and once again cost, cast, cast a shadow on that channel. But I would say that the vast majority of brokers uh, are, uh, you know, brokers may benefit from the price war, their, their consumers may benefit from it, but really the, the question is what, what, you know, what's, what, what happens next? Uh, is it good for the business? Uh, and I remember back in 2012 or 14 
when the CFPB started to gain some strength, many, much of the communication I had or when I'd travel somewhere and speak to brokers and they were, they were saying, well, the CFPB, you know, we may as well paint a big target on our back. Uh, the CFPB is gunning for us. And I, I would tell them, I, I don't even know. I'm not quite even sure the CFPB knows what a mortgage broker does. Um, I'm sure they do, but this doesn't, this doesn't really help uh, the situation if the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, uh, <clears throat> which I'm sure we'll talk about on this call because you've been spot on with your thoughts on the CFPB and where it's going. But the, with the CFPB uh, hearing and seeing and reading about this kind of thing probably doesn't bode so well. Uh, but Matt, on the other hand, would say, well, look, the consumer is going to benefit because you know, we offer great pricing and great products and, and, you know, the brokers have a choice out there and brokers, you know, they can choose to do business with us and, <clears throat> you know, dozens and dozens of other wholesalers, they can choose to do business with uh, Rocket slash Quicken and, and Fairway um, and dozens and dozens of other brokers. So we're not constricting anything. It's interesting. I know that Fairway uh, is, is a mainly known for its retail presence but their wholesale channel uh, with the number of brokers signing up within the last week has been off the chart. I mean, Fairway, so Fairway is kind of tagging along here with the publicity saying, yeah, we were never, you know, a huge uh, wholesale contender. Uh, but now, you know, thanks for the publicity, Matt, you know, away we go. So, you know, good for Fairway. Yeah, I, you know, made a couple lighthearted uh, jabs at the whole situation on LinkedIn this week. I, I got so many messages from Fairway employees want just finding it humorous and make, yeah, saying that essentially that like, you know, it's amusing that we got dragged into this. It's been great publicity for our wholesale channel. Um, you know, I knew they had a wholesale channel that was very, very small. Um, but yeah, it kind of, it kind of put it on the map uh this week for sure and but i mean the whole another just you know kind of hypocritical part of the whole if you do business with rocket or fairway you can't do business with you with uwm thing is i mean the many if not the majority of wholesale buyers also have retail operations and are on some level doing the things that uwm is accusing rocket and fairway of um, you know, the other part of it to me that's kind of stupid and crazy is UWM's whole model is broker. They're now public company. Their books are open. We all know that channel has lower margins, obviously, than the retail channel. Rocket, Fairway have these huge, robust retail channels with much higher profit margin in those channels. If they get sucked into a price war on wholesale and got to go out and buy loans at little to no profit margin, it's going to be buried in their financials, relatively speaking, as to where UWM, that's all they do. Um, so this could be a little wake up call, like welcome to the world of like, you no longer fully own your company. And, uh, you know, ultimately people that own your company, own your stock are going to have an opinion on things that you're doing. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out as well. Yeah, the, the you bring up a good point with the with with different companies offer different products, different channels. Uh, and last Friday in my commentary, I mentioned, you know, poor Loan Depot and, and CMG and Sierra Pacific and, and Flagstar, these other companies that have a retail presence and a wholesale presence 
they have their retail presence to uh, to rely upon. And if they get into price war on their wholesale channel, well, you know, they've still got retail coming through. And, and you're right, United Wholesale is is wholesale. Uh, so, uh, you know, as is as is Rocket Quicken, you know, it's it's predominantly retail and direct to consumer. The um, you know some of the harsher critics of the move uh, said the the Matt just wants every broker out there to be his wholesale or his uh, his retail channel. You know, Matt Matt is treating treating us like his retail branches, uh, which was an interesting comment. So we'll see where it shakes out. You know, it's like I said, I mean, it, right? He's giving them the software. He's saying you can't work with the second biggest the, the lenders that we say you can't work with. I mean, that's essentially that's a fair it's a fair way to look at it for sure. Yeah. So, well, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But you know, another piece of it is, I mean, think about it. United Wholesale has thirty five percent market share of the broker channel right now. That channel is at an all-time high, really, as far as their share of the overall mortgage pie, probably depending on who you talk to, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19%. So to me, it's just like, listen, you are like amazing levels of market share in a channel that is at the highest share it's ever been at. Like I would be like putting my head down and scheming more behind the scenes to keep, especially being public now, to keep trying to improve your prospects and profits as a company. But uh, we'll see. And yeah, a lot of comments in the chat. Dan Gilbert's also a Michigan State grad. And and you got HomePoint Financial too, the third biggest wholesaler in America. I've gotten the chance to meet with Willie Newman a couple of times over the years who I just, I don't know. I've, I don't know him. Well, I just always have been very impressed by him and just, uh, uh, and he, you know, he's gotta be just sitting back laughing at all this, but the three big, they're all in Michigan too. It's so funny. Um, you know, it's like this big, big war in Michigan, all these, all these wholesale lenders, but, uh, yeah. You know, the winter, you know, people get tired of, I guess the winter, come, you know, late February and March. And so they need to do something to spice things up. Yeah. I will, uh, you know, I, I know Willie, very good guy. Uh, I've been to United Wholesale, spent some time with Matt. He and I went to lunch at McDonald's. Uh, I like Matt. He's a competitive guy. I've spent time with Dan Gilbert. I mean, I, not to sit here and drop names, but like I said earlier, th- that channel and the retail, channel, our, our whole industry is, is, has a lot of very smart, entrepreneurial competitive guys and gals who uh you know they'll they're you know they're they're smart if they figure things out so and and through it all the uh you know who's benefiting i hope are our consumers our borrowers across the nation who who can benefit and so that's and that's it's important for us to keep that in mind Absolutely. Competition, a good thing. The more viable options for uh, home buyers and people looking to refinance out there. Uh, it's good for our industry. It's good for America. It's good for housing. So, uh, and, you know, it's good content for the rundown. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that, you know, we can only have talked about Marsha Fudge for so long today, right? <laughs> you know, uh, do you want to talk about Marsha? She's a Buckeye and she's from Cleveland. We got to talk about it, man. The whole, the Midwest is sweeping the, uh, the over the mortgage industry. 
you know, forget about forget about places like Atlanta or Orange County or Dallas. It's all like the upper Midwest. Right, exactly. Um, you know, I've heard good things about Marsha. I've never met her, at least that I know of. Um, I've talked to people who have met her and who are impressed with her. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. But like you, you probably uh, maybe you've met her. Uh, but, you know, what have you heard? I've heard good things, but nothing really concrete. I've heard her speak one time at like an Ohio Bankers League event um, back in my banking days. Um, and I just know of her. She's kind of a you know local uh, political icon. Um, and she's very, very principled, very well respected. Her constituents love her. Uh, she was the mayor of a major suburb of Cleveland at a very young age as a minority female, did a great job and parlayed that into, uh, you know, very successful um, political career in Washington, obviously. You know, when I look at these things, I watch the hearings because I'm interested to hear the questions. Um, and I'm interested to see the results of the vote. She was uh, confirmed by the Senate 66-34, which is, you know, that's almost half the Republicans voted for her. Um, and she is left, very left. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that says a lot that she was that she was confirmed uh, that convincingly. Uh, and, you know, I think she's, uh, you know, I think she's good for America right now in this role. Uh, for a couple reasons. And, you know, if you listen to the confirmation or read the transcripts, it's clear her focus, like she is going to be hyper focused right out of the gate um, in terms of uh, making sure people that were affected by the pandemic aren't further affected, you know, uh, you know, the eviction moratorium, extending that out and rental assistance for people that are behind on the rental payments and making sure people that, you know, were affected due to things out of their control, uh, aren't kicked out of their homes. Um, the next thing she kind of went to was affordable housing. Anybody that's heard me or seen my ramblings on LinkedIn, I, that, that is something I've been a huge proponent of, which is we need more affordable housing stock in America. Like if you're a young family um, that, you know, needs to buy a $150,000 home in the Midwest or what's a, what's a cheap house up by you, like eight, 900,000, you know, it's tough. There's not, there's not a lot out there. All these homes that are being built, the new builds due to lumber prices and regulation there, you know, so uh, I think that's something she's going to be a fierce advocate of, um, you know, really supporting and carrying out uh, President Biden's stated goals to add, I forget how many affordable housing units it was, but uh, I think from those respects, she'll be, she'll be good. Yeah. Affordable housing. Yeah. As long as it's not in my backyard. Right. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious there because that's um, when you look at, and I, I continue to make this point when you're dealing with, you know, uh, 70 plus million millennials in their late 20s and 30s looking for housing and and the current construction is you know a million and a half two million units a year okay a year versus that size population and with the baby boomer generation not really going anywhere and in fact uh, a lot of baby boomers probably buying you know rental houses uh, as investments because they don't want to put their money into the stock or bond market. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. You have, uh, you know, I just, I just had this business trip to Atlanta and, 
you know, you look out, look out the plane window and you see these huge swaths of just, you know, emptiness. Uh, so you could say, well, you know, let's put affordable housing out in the middle of, you know, Northern Arizona or Northern New Mexico or so forth. And it's, it's just going to take a while. And I'm, I'm all for affordable housing. I've, I've done several events for Freddie Mac and Wells Fargo, uh, Fannie Mae with regard to affordable housing initiatives and so forth. It's going to take a while to translate that uh, federal, those federal wants and needs and desires with regard to housing down to builders and down to communities and down to counties. It, it takes a while. Uh, and meanwhile, our population continues to grow. So, yes, yeah, tough, I mean, tough situation. So good luck, Marsha. I agree. And I mean, like, and you're right, because anything housing or like it just take, I mean, look at like I remember like when Obama came into office, like immediately he wanted to try to get Fannie and Freddie out of conservatorship. Eight years later, he left it, which he was never able to get it done. You know, and he deprioritized it a little over the years as well. Trump came in and made it a top priority and brought in like, you know, the executioner, Calabria, the guy that's going to get it done. Right. Even he couldn't get it done. Um, so you're right, like to do the things that we need to do in America to help the inventory problem, to help the affordability problem. They're not going to be easy. They're going to take a long time. And I think you you know, if you are passionate about those things, you need somebody like Marsha Fudge that's going to come in and just freaking bulldog this stuff and and not take no for an answer. Um, I think in some cases where you shouldn't take no for an answer. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I wish her I wish her the best. Yep. So, um, so similar topic. Next topic: uh, MBA came out this week with their uh, latest forecast, which, uh, if you look at it, it predicts the biggest year ever for purchase transactions uh, in our country's history. Now, they they go on to say that you know these targets being met this year heavily dependent on. Um, new housing stock being kind of pumped into, uh, you know, the housing framework of America. They mentioned specifically like, you know, Kenai and like the February, March and April um, new build stats. So, you know, and I think that's where we're at right now that uh, I mean, if, if um, you know, we can get some new stock onto the market, maybe some of these people that are sitting on houses that they haven't sold for whatever reason um, that if, some inventory can can start to bleed its way into the market that we could have a huge year for purchase. But that's, I mean, it's a big if, right? A, a huge if. And I know you've talked about this with previous guests and, and other Mortgage Collaborative uh, Zoom calls. And, and Mortgage Collaborative is really doing a fine job of those, by the way, Rich. So hats off to you of, of keeping uh, uh, folks informed. The... I, I just don't. I just don't see the inventory. I just don't see the logjam breaking loose. I, I just people are people are very content with their houses. I mean, you have you started the actual search? I know you started the GoFundMe site for for your down payment for for a house, but have you actually started? Have you actually hired a realtor and started to look around at all, or do you just kind of surf? the real estate porn late at night. I mean, you're right. It's like the, the Saturday Night Live uh, skit. I have, and, and like, I, like, I'm a perfect example. Like I'm looking to buy a house. Now I need I, myself, my girlfriend, we have four teenagers. So we need a five bedroom house. And it has to be in the city that both our kids are in the same school district. And, you know, even in 
times of better inventory, you know, there's not gobs of options there. So, you know, I'm one that we're starting to look at like potentially building now. Um, but then, you know, I had to went and visited the one uh, custom builder that's got a, a lot in the city I live in. And, uh, you know, that was where like I've heard about the price of lumber. And then I saw it translated onto an offer sheet <laughs> and they break it out. Like, this is why this is so expensive because so it's, I mean, I'm experiencing it right now. There is no inventory out there um, because of that fact. I don't necessarily want to build nor afford to build a big home right now. Um, but, and the cost of lumber is directly translated back to the consumer. Like it's listed out, like, you know, Dear potential home buyer, we are screwing you over because the price of lumber is so extravagant right now. So very real issues that uh, we have with the housing inventory issue in the country. So yeah, on, on top of that, you have the, uh, the the municipalities, the counties, and towns and cities who uh, for for a permit. I don't have statistics, and I don't, I don't know numbers, but I've, I've heard that the price of uh, the permit process has gone through the roof because you have these these entities, towns and counties and so forth, that <clears throat> means a big source of revenue if they can get it. And so you add that onto the lumber and you add that onto the cost, you know, the labor cost, if you can find somebody to, uh, to build a place. Yeah, it's just, I, I just don't see how this is going to be resolved, frankly. Uh, and on top of that, Rich, not that you're not special, all right? But you have uh, a lot of people out there who have held their jobs, have kept their jobs, fortunately, through the pandemic. They aren't, you know, we talk about this K-shaped recovery with, you know, part of, part of our uh, population, you know, doing this kind of thing or, or at least maintaining the status quo. And then the other part of the population, you know, the, the short order cooks or the, the maids at the Marriott kind of thing. Who are doing this during the pandemic, but the people who are doing this, a lot of people, millions of people around the country are saving a lot of money. The savings rate is over 20% right now. It used to be, you know, three, three or four percent of income was saved. Now it's over 20%. And so it 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 almost doesn't, I won't say it doesn't matter because it does matter, but it almost doesn't matter if they want a house. And they've spent the last year sitting at home, you know, eating, you know, frozen pizzas or, you know, I mean, hopefully taking care of themselves, but saving money. They're not going out and spending. They're not going to Disneyland. They're not going on cruises. They're not going on vacations to Monte Carlo. They are saving a lot of money. And when you have a lot of money in the bank and you want a home, it, it's like, I want a home. And I've got a lot of money saved up and I'm going to pay whatever it takes to get in your case, you know, the, the, uh, the five bedroom, you know, you and your, and your girlfriend and the teenagers, I mean, you, you're going to spend that money. And so that is also driving up prices across the nation. And especially in places like, you know, Nashville, the outskirts of Nashville, I mean, Tennessee, great place to live. It's got a lot of pluses. And so they've seen tremendous uh, growth there. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is not the Austin, Texas it was 10 years ago because it's, it's a neat place. And so people are buying you know, the, the, the homes in those areas 
um, almost regardless of price. They're, they're, still, they're bidding wars. You continue to hear about these bidding wars. So I don't certainly don't mean to discourage you, but th- this whole confluence of events uh, or confluence of f- economic factors are, are driving prices up, have driven prices up, and I don't see them abating much. I don't see people, um, you know, I, pe- I see people continuing to save money. I see people continuing to use their homes as offices uh, and they want a home office. They may be working from home the rest of their lives. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things going on that uh, really conspire against affordable housing and against first-time home buyers, despite the plethora of down payment assistance programs that are out there, some really neat programs, some lenders specializing in helping young families and so forth. It's just tough to find tough to find inventory. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting to uh keep an eye on all this as uh, 2021 plays out and got about 10 minutes left here uh, on the rundown with Rob and Rich and Rob, I get a chance to talk to our lender members across the country on a daily basis. You have a vast network of readers and people you interact with. Uh, I want to throw some things at you. Just, I've been hearing, um, you know, kind of ear to the ground type stuff. Um, And for our audience in attendance, want to hear, what you guys are hearing out there in the marketplace, rumors, news, things that could be emerging this year. Um, Some things I've been hearing as of late, um, top producing loan originators um, that had massive years last year that are now making moves to kind of start their own mortgage companies. You know, those big hundred to $500 million year producers, something I've been hearing. Um, M&A, I I just think these next couple of years is going to be the biggest M&A years ever for the mortgage industry. When you factor in older business owners that just have made gobs of money or riding out the refi train and aren't ready for another Democratic CFPB run, um, you know, that factor combined with how much money lenders have made in general, large lenders going public, raising gobs of uh, Wall Street money to scale their businesses that you could just see really unprecedented amounts of M&A in the mortgage industry these next couple of years. Um, some other things I've been hearing, JVs, a lot of lenders kicking the tires on joint ventures that could make sense for them as a way to invest some of those profits um, of 2020 into their future. Uh, what are you hearing? That's that's some of the stuff I've been hearing these last couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> what a fun business. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a great business. And I know the last couple of weeks with... Uh, uh, Tracy King Donadio, and, uh, and and thank you again to Partners Credit uh, for for sponsoring those events. I mean, I think that uh, hopefully Tracy found that worthwhile. But I know that we've talked about this on prior episodes. I mean, this is a this is a cool business. I mean, if you're in the auto business or you're in the you know the plumbing business, I mean, this this is a fun business compared to a lot of things I can think of that are that are you know other alternatives. And, and once again, as I said earlier, we continue to help borrowers and continue to help consumers, but all these things that are going on that you just mentioned uh, really make, make times interesting. And I, and I hope in a good way uh, because you don't want that old Chinese proverb about, you know, may you live in interesting times, which is usually something bad, but it is fun to be in this business. And it's really too bad that we all can't, uh, you know, I hope, I'm seeing some green, in fact, I mentioned it in tomorrow's commentary, I'm seeing some green shoots out there with regard to conference activity. I know that the Georgia Mortgage Bankers in in May is going to hold theirs and it's going to be in person. 
I know that Florida has every intent uh, of holding theirs in June in person. Um, I was just on a California MBA board call yesterday and Western Secondary has been moved out to August so that it can be held in person. And so wouldn't it be neat? Is it, I really miss getting together with people in the same room and talking about the issues that you just brought up with regard to M&A and JV and, and so forth and, and what's going on out there. The big topic that I've heard about this week, unfortunately, is on the flip side of that. It's not so fun, much fun to talk about. And that is um, something that was expected from the agencies, at least Fannie Mae. Certainly, they made headlines this week by restricting the uh, non-owner occupied and the second home uh, footprint or, or purchases to 7%, which threw a lot of people in our industry into a tizzy because, first of all, uh, it's rumored, and I haven't seen the stats, but it's rumored that uh, over 50%, excuse me, over 50% of the people selling to Fannie Mae have already exceeded that 7% level. On top of that, you have locked pipelines that are already locked, non-owner or second homes uh, set and priced to deliver to Fannie Mae uh, that won't close until April, that'll be delivered in May and June. So when is this going to start? And so the it's, it's, it's one thing for the agencies to come out with a, uh, a plan, a statement like that, an adverse market fee, which uh, for some reason continues to, to plague our industry. It's another thing to successfully implement what they want to implement. And I think that uh, the, the, the folks that I'm hearing from are saying the implementation in this case, once again, is not good. Uh, it raises more questions than it answers. Like, what are we going to, you know, how, what, what's going to happen? Is this a roll in the 7%? Is it for the whole industry? First come, first serve, you know, lock in your non-owners now with, with Fannie Mae. Or is it based on company? Is it, is it a rolling total? Is it a total for a calendar year? I mean, there's a lot of questions out there, and I'm sure Fannie Mae uh, and FHFA will, will spend their time answering those because it is a concern. And then the question is, if you're a lender, what do you do with that product? Do you, is it, is it now, does it now go towards some of the non-QM investors that are out there? Uh, is, does it go to FHA? Is it just something you say, we can't do it? Um, and so that's, you know, Rich, uh, yeah, certainly over the last few weeks, I have, you know, I, I do think uh, M&A activity is going to heat up. Uh, but, but for now, people are saying, oh, my gosh, I've got all this. I've, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of pipeline potential out there. We've got a lot of borrowers that we can help. And this announcement about limiting second homes and, and uh, investment properties isn't going to help those borrowers. And that's where kind of the industry's focus went toward that announcement. So, but I agree. M&A, some other things that are going on there. It's a, it's a fun time to be in this business. Yeah, the investment property thing. I, I mean, I think that could be the first of, you know, several concerning dominoes to fall uh, just from the standpoint that, you know, one, the inventory issue in general, if you own, it's like a good time to own investment properties right now, right? So um, people that own them aren't going to be selling them to primary people. So the in theory, the pool of investment property houses will sustain or continue to make up a bigger percentage of the overall housing stock. Uh, number two, uh, and we all remember this from the years after the meltdown, like in times where people feel like values are 
like you can't count on them, investment properties get slammed. I mean, we all remember the investment property climate from like 08 to basically 2012 or 13, where they were very difficult to sell. Uh, a lot of investors were, were capping the LTVs at 70, 75% and you know, heavily overlaying them. And if you're an aggregator that just sells to the agencies, um, and we had so much volume last year moved to the agencies because of buyback risk and overlays associated with the pandemic. So you got more business going to the agencies that have now kind of said, hey, we're taking our foot off the gas pedal on investment properties. So we got a lot of emails this week from members like, hey, do you know of any good investors out there on investment properties? I'm like, there's no answer to that. Like nobody's good on investment properties and over aggressive because nobody wants to get adversely selected and get pummeled with investment, especially if you're just buying loans and repackaging them into securities that go to the agency. So it could really create, my guess is you're going to see the aggregator start to overlay um, investment properties. It's going to have a ripple effect down um, and you, you could see you know a real tightening of the credit box on that owner. We need we need to bring uh, Tracy back to talk about the uh, the credit box on on non owners and investment properties and second homes. So anyway, I think we've run out of time yet again, Rich. We have. Well, this was uh, a great, as always, a great conversation. No uh, shortage of uh, interesting things going on in the industry right now. And you know, as as you noted, it's just never never a dull moment in the mortgage industry. And uh, we'll continue to track it all here on the rundown uh, every Friday, every other Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, if there's anybody out there that's interested in being involved as a sponsor, we are looking to uh, bring a sponsor into the program. Um, and you mentioned conferences, TMC. We are full blast, 100%, September 19 to 21, Terrania, California, posh resort just outside of LA. It's the resort Tiger Woods was driving to when he crashed. I don't know what that means other than it was interesting to see the news, but it's ridiculous. And we are going to, we're, we're going to blow it out and it's going to be an amazing conference. So Tiger in the tank. (laughs) Excellent. So, uh, well, thanks again, Rob, for joining me. Thanks again to our attendees. As always, we'll be posting this to our YouTube channel. Uh, and making a podcast out of it where I know a lot of you listen. And uh, until two weeks from today, we will see you then. And, All right. Uh, Rob, Thank you. Yep. Take care. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.